White boys unite in their blue gingham shirts here on Industry Focus. Hey everybody, I'm Mark Reith here with Tyler Crow and Nate Frickin' Wallingsford is on the show, baby! It's gonna be great. Well, it's welcome the first to the time game. Yeah. And we all call each other and make sure we're wearing the same shirt. Absolutely. It's nice matching. We well yeah. really yeah. had to. This is great, I'm man. So Who wore it better? Send us an email at energyatfool.com. We'll talk about it. We're talking about it a lot today. We're gonna go through some great income investments over in the energy sector, but we're gonna start with some earnings from some refiners, and let's kick things off with Valero. Uh, how did Valero's quarter look to you, Tyler? Well, overall, I, I think it had a really good quarter. Both them and Phillips 66 uh, reported this morning. So this is about the closest thing you're going to get to up-to-the-date numbers in terms mm -hmm. of anyone else. Mm -hmm. Don't look at anybody else. Look right. at ours. Right. Uh, they had a $1.83 per share, excluding those fancy special items that everybody seems to forget about. Mm -hmm. Better over year-over-year and soundly beat everybody's estimates. What was kind of surprising, though, revenue was down, but the margins were improved, which kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, obviously they're not getting as much money for the gasoline because gasoline prices have gone down. I've heard that. But since crude oil prices down went down even further, the margins improved. Hmm. What a shock. You know, that <laughs> nice little balance thing going on. Same thing at Phillips 66, about $2.05 per share, up from about $1.37 year over year, so mm -hmm. big improvement on that end. And they saw the same thing. Uh, marketing numbers improved, but they saw also, a, or refining numbers improved, but they also had huge numbers in their marketing sector, retail. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Uh, they bought gasoline at wholesale prices a lot cheaper than they were selling at retail prices. Yay! Good <laughs> things for everybody. Right. All right. Makes a lot of sense. What about you, Nate? What's your take on Phillips 66, uh, Valero? How'd they look to you? So the key thing about these two uh, refining companies is uh, the amount of capital that they return to shareholders, right? So you're investing in these companies, hopefully to get a nice hefty dividend out mm. of it. So, um, you know, for, for Valero, for instance, they returned 50% of their net income for the year, uh, which equates to about just over uh, $500 million in dividends. Mm -hmm. They also had a pretty large uh, stock buyback program as well, um, returning about $1.9 billion of that to, uh, uh, to uh, shareholders in stock buybacks. Nice, nice. Uh, Phillips 66, similar story, $275 million back in dividends. Uh, and they had about $500 million or so, a little bit more than that in stock buyback. So, um, you know, continuing for these refiners to return value to shareholders, um, and I think that's something that'll just continue as, you know, they work through uh, maximizing and making their costs more efficient uh, and the refining margins, as Tyler mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully those will, will get a little better down the road as well. All right. You mentioned dividends earlier as I desperately search for a transition into our next topic, dividends income investments in the energy sector. It was a little smoother than I thought you were going to Thank go. you. I, I pulled it off. pretty good. I'm pretty happy about it. It's been a rough morning. Um, uh, energy is obviously suffering these days, but there is still some value there, especially when you're looking for income, if you're thinking about retirement, you're just looking for dividends. Uh, you each have some ideas of which is the best energy investment for dividends. Let's start with you, Nate. What's the best one out there? So I'm going to go with uh, Kinder Morgan. <laughs> so uh, like you said, predictable cash flows um, with this company with 94% of their cash flows tied up uh, fee-based or hedged. Um, so that means and translates to predictable dividends. Hmm. Uh, so that's something that you know every income investor would love to have. Um, Want to talk about a little bit more about the revenue stream, uh, their backlog and projects that they have coming up. Uh, the revenue stream, like I said, 50, 94 percent 
um, of the cash flows tied to those fee-based hedge contracts. Mm -hmm. um, 54% of those earnings, though, are in the natural gas pipelines. And here they have a couple projects that are coming online um, and over the next couple of years. Um, one partnership that they just initiated with Chenier Energy, um, helping to transport natural gas through their pipelines down to the Corpus Christi location, uh, where the company is building a, a LNG export terminal there. Mm -hmm. uh, so to kind of give some context for that, um, LNG, global LNG demand is expected to blow up over the next uh, several years. So, for instance, this uh, facility is looking at producing about 13.5 million tons per annum of LNG. Mm -hmm. uh, global demand, on the other hand, uh, expected to increase 215 million tons. Okay. So there's a lot of opportunity there, and Kinder Morgan's kind of getting their foot in the door um, by, by hooking up with uh, Chenier and processing, uh, sending this gas down to that uh, terminal to, 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 to export. Mm -hmm. um, they also had another ac acquisition that was mentioned uh, not too long ago uh, with Highland Partners, which I think Tyler and you talked about right, right. Uh, on the last industry focus. But um, So there's a lot of fee-based assets tied up in this um, transaction as well, which is just going to help them uh, surplant that footprint in the Bakken region, mm -hmm. um, give them some more exposure in that area. Um, and that's just going to be uh, incredibly accretive uh, a couple years down the line, adding um, you know, several cents per share to the dividend, uh, looking around the 2017-2018 um, uh, time frame. Okay. Well, how can you disagree with anything that he just said, Tyler? <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to admit, I am kind of splitting hairs mm. trying to decide between Enterprise Products Partners and Kinder Morgan. However, however, I, I am, am going to take it to town. Yeah. Let's see what I can do. Uh, one of the things that I like about Enterprise Products more, a little bit more in terms of Kinder Morgan, is they have a little bit more of an integrated asset base than what's going on with Kinder Morgan. One of the things that uh, Nate was just talking about was that LNG play. Well, Kinder Morgan, even though yet they're getting a slight play in that, they're building their own facility, uh, Enterprise Products Partner is doing a major, major export program themselves. However, they're looking at it doing it in stuff that isn't as regulated. Uh, propane, ethane, butane, all of those like natural, all the tanes, <laughs> yeah. all of those natural gas liquids, they're even starting to export condensate, which is really, really light crude oil, mm. kind of skirting around those e oil export rules, finding their own way to do it, and exports for them have grown immensely. They are the nation's largest exporter of natural gas liquids, and they represent about half of that and the United States is the largest exporter of those products around the world. So right. they, that company themselves, one of the largest we've ever seen. Um, aside from that, their natural gas liquid pipelines, as well as their fractionation, kind of their processing facilities and stuff like that, they are linked to 99% of the fractionation capacity in east of the Rockies in the United States. So there is a ton of vertically integrated opportunities there to kind of upsell. Mm. Uh, they, they have a little bit less or a little bit more ex, uh, exposure to commodities, about 85% instead of that fancy Kinder Morgan 94. Woo! White collar boys over yeah, there. Yeah, but whatever. You know, but at the same time, enterprise products values undervalued in, in comparison to Kinder Morgan. If you're looking to buy things today, uh, you know, one's a master limited partnership, one's a C Corp. So the best way to, I guess, to kind of apples to apples comparison would be on a total enterprise value to EBITDA. Mm -hmm. uh, enterprise partners, 16.3. Kinder Morgan, 19.0. So you're getting a little bit more there. All right. And last thing, mm -hmm. there is some real big opportunities for enterprise to be making some big moves here. Uh, their debt leverage, which is net debt to EBITDA, is at about 3.7 times, giving them a ton of wiggle room if they want to go make another acquisition mm. like they just did with this oil tanking partners one that they did earlier last year. 
and they've got about $20 billion in identified potential projects. So there is a lot of room for this company to make a big splash mm -hmm. and hopefully grow that dividend. Lots of options here, boys. I, I like what I'm hearing. I can't choose sides. Far be it from me. So if anyone out there has something to say, who's better, Nate or Tyler, send us an email over at energy at fool.com. Let's all just calm down. <laughs> he's, wanted, he's just such a polite guy. He's oh, gonna give he the can't be to that Tyler. humble, man. Own it. Own it. Home, no, this, so is, just... this is industry focus. We're not friends here. All right? <laughs> focus up, man. Okay. Nate Wallingsford, great first time. Tyler Crow, always a pleasure. I'm Mark Reith for The Motley Fool. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.